This week on the Recruitment Flex, Indeed lays off 2,200 people, 15% of its worldwide headcount. We share a really cool tool for you to get labor market insights, culture ad or culture fit. They both might be the wrong approach. And if you're posting jobs with no intentions of filling them, can you stop now, please? This week's episode is dedicated to Candidate ID's founder, Scott McRae, who sadly passed away last week. He will be missed at the Recruitment Flex. He will be missed in the whole HR community. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, what's going on the other side of town in Calgary, Alberta? (laughs) Well, boy, lots is going on. My goodness. I know you and I talk all the time about the fact that you've got little ones at home and they're in school and oh my goodness, germ fest. So I hate to say it, but I think it's finally hit us. Brooke was oh. homesick yesterday. I've got a bit of a sore throat this morning. Feel a little achy. Oh, this can't be happening. Well, I'm you're like, going to Red Hot Chili Peppers next week, right? Yes. Like I bought the tickets as soon as they went on sale. It has been like four months of looking forward to this. And yes, it's next week because the Chili Peppers have not been in Canada other than Toronto, maybe, but certainly not our side of the country. So it's going to be awesome. Where are you going? Vancouver? Yeah, into Vancouver. We're just flying in that day, going to the concert that night, and then flying back out the next day. That sounds like a whirlwind trip. And hopefully, Anthony Kiedis. Anthony Kiedis. Kiedis. Come on, I don't know. I don't know. I hope he sees you in the crowd and decides that you're going to be his next wife. (laughs) How did you know? Oh, Oh, I know everything. We talked about it pretty in depth. Do you know, it could happen. Because I'm in the pit. We didn't get seats. And you actually pay more to be in the pit because you're right stage front. You know, I'm sure one of his people will come over and say, we've been looking for you. Anthony needs you in his life. That's exactly what's going to happen. Just make sure you're wearing something appropriate. Something that just shows that, hey, I'm out there. Well, Shelly, I'm going to be on vacation next yes, week. I'm going to guy. Florida for a couple of weeks. So that should be fun because it's still cold here. Obviously, it's warming up. Spring is officially yeah. here. Right now, it's two degrees Celsius. I'll take around 30 degrees Celsius. I think that makes a lot more sense. So I'm really yeah. excited about that. You know what? And please don't wear sunscreen. Just lather on the baby oil, man. You need some color. I need some color. <laughs> Go lay in the sun. Go get a sunburn. And you could probably get Botox down there much cheaper. Shelly, what are you talking about? I'm way too young to get Botox, right? Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Shelly, we have some breaking news this morning. And by the time you listen to this episode, it'll be old news. But we just got word that. Indeed has laid off 2,200 people, which is 15% of its total staff. You heard about it, but it spread really quickly in the last little while. So let me give you a little bit what the details are. Obviously, 15%, 2,200 people. 
Indeed CEO Chris Hyam broke the news to employees in an all-hands meeting on Wednesday morning saying that the cuts would affect teams across the company and attributing the decision to broader economic pressures. A person who attended the meeting said employees whose jobs were cut were notified via email following the meeting. Shelly, what's your take? Surprise? No, not at all. They were public in December to talk about a hiring freeze. And I know even back in the summer, they were offering anyone who wanted to voluntarily retire early or no, sorry, it wasn't the summer. Actually, it was in October, just before Indeed Future Work. So not surprised. <clears throat> don't know how decisions were made. And I don't have any more information than anyone else, but not surprised if that's what you're asking me at all. They were definitely reducing costs everywhere mm. and broader economic pressures. I don't know. Well, there's a couple of factors that I've seen that I got a sense that something was coming because in a recent Wall Street Journal article, they did state that job postings were down 11% since the start of the year. And also in their latest earnings call, they did predict to be down 10 to 15% in their first quarter. So looking at the overall trend in the market, what's happening in the economy, but also I was in Indeed when Indeed was just hiring like crazy and the mentality was just keep on hiring because every time we hire, our sales increase. And obviously that's going to reach a certain point that doesn't make sense anymore. And I think they've reached that point. I don't think it's really a weakness in their business. This is really them kind of aligning to what they see in the future. And they probably overhired, which was the case for most tech companies. So they're just realigning their business. But Obviously, every job board right now is feeling the pinch. There is a lot of layoffs that are very public, but it doesn't mean that the overall economy is struggling and the job numbers are showing that. There's a lot of nervousness in the market. So I could see this happening this time. Yeah, no, excellent point, Serge. Job postings are down. Yeah. And that makes sense. The numbers do line up for sure. Speaking of solid job numbers, oh my God, there was a report this week that Canada continues to have really strong job growth in February. And who's leading the pack in the whole country is, drumroll please, Serge, yeah. your home province. New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at the numbers, Shelley, yes, they added 22,000 jobs, which is down but still above expectations. So 22,000 of those jobs came from New Brunswick, which is, I think, the second smallest province in Canada. Right. But a lot of people did move to New Brunswick over the pandemic, even after the fact. Yeah. Good for them. I'm glad they're adding jobs in that market. That's really good for business. It is very good for business. So Shelly, yes. I want to go into the tip of the week. And Okay. I am very disappointed, Shelly, that you won't let me rename the segment. So I've been lobbying for the segment to be called Just a Tip. No. I think, yes, Surge, I even it. came out Listen, with an intro. You know what? Hey, guess who got canceled this week? Who got canceled? Tourism Regina? You want to get canceled? Oh, my God. Now, that was funny. Do you want to talk about that story? Because it, it's hilarious, right? I thought it was funny, but city council sure didn't think it was funny. 
To give the audience insight, you've probably heard of Regina that's based in Canada, if you're not listening from Canada. And when you hear Regina, there's a word that pops in your mind. And it's Rhymes been right. a long standing joke. So Experience Regina came out with their new slogans and their new slogans, I thought, were great because the goal of slogans is to really stand out and create attention and a discussion. And it definitely did that. So the two slogans they came out was rhymes with fun. So Regina rhymes with fun. You can come to your own conclusion of what that looks like. And the other one looks like. <laughs> but <laughs> that was on purpose. That was a Freudian oh. slip if you ever heard one. <laughs> the second true. slogan they have is show me your Regina, which I thought oh, was I fantastic. This has been a long-standing joke. When you think about Regina, it automatically comes to your mind. Why not just leverage it? Like Regina is not the best place to go visit in Canada. So make it fun, right? Make it interesting. But obviously, when it came out, the city council lost their shit. And a lot of people lost their shit because we have a lot of uptight people within the country, within the world. To me, it's fun. It's going to create a conversation. Like, why are you taking yourself so seriously? But the backlash has been intense. I don't know. So what they're going to come up with is some boilerplate bullshit, probably like live, work, play in Regina that we see where this is a conversation started. But yeah, some people are definitely getting canceled. Yeah, somebody's getting fired. I can't imagine that they went all the way down this path, had the marketing, they would have done tests with certain markets or whatever. And we forgot to let city council know. Before we went public on this, anyway. Like, I get why people are upset, but it actually makes me interested to go to Regina because I know they can poke fun at themselves and it might be a fun place to go. But going back, that's the story on that. But let's go back to our tip segment. I even recorded a new intro for it. Oh, no. Just the tip. (laughs) Oh, no, Serge. No, you didn't like it? That was me recording that. Let's I do it again. Just for tip. <laughs> Please. Oh, okay, no. I guess we'll keep it as tip of the week. Tip of the week. Come on. A couple of weeks ago, I came across what I thought was a fantastic tool. A lot of us have access to Indeed Hiring Ads Insights, which gives us a, a lot of real-time data on what's going on in the market. This really cool link, rta.jobdescriptions.ai. And what it does, it gives you real-time insights about the job market from Google Jobs at any location. The tool will search Google for jobs in real time, then analyze the results to provide you with available insights, such as a percentage of remote jobs requiring a degree, what titles are being posted. Say you put sales Calgary, it's going to give you all the sales jobs that have been posted in Calgary and what titles they're using. It's free. It's in real time. Any practitioner recruiter can leverage it before they're posting a job to get a sense of how much competition is this job going to have in Calgary, right? Fantastic tool. Definitely leverage it and we'll put it in the show notes. That is an awesome tip. Way to go, Serge. Very well done. So we're going to roll into our reading insights. Okay, well, we have to conclude this. Just the tip. (laughs) 
So yes, let's jump into the recruitment insight and I will give you the microphone for this first insight. Okay. Something I've been working on talking about a lot lately in my day job is your careers page. Companies have obviously their website and their career page, and you can't be without one. You do need something as a careers page. But I think a lot of the times we just set it and forget it. You can look at these websites and you can tell they haven't been updated since 2017. What they say is just like everyone else. I think it's a good time to start taking a look at whether or not it's even performing and whether or not job seekers are actually going to look at your career page. I don't know if many people do get the report from their webmaster that says what percentage of traffic goes to your company's website and do they even continue on to your careers page? And what is it that would draw them in and how easy is it to even find the careers page? So this article was just really interesting to say that 97% of respondents post their job vacancies on their company's website or dedicated career site. And for only 9%, this is the only job content they publish. So are they counting on the fact that aggregators are going to scrape them? Is that part of their strategy? What do you think, Serge? Well, it could be, but reading this article and looking at the survey that was done by the UK Candidate Attraction Report, it showed that 97% of in-house recruiters, the website and their career site is their top sourcing channel. Like, what the fuck? Really? That is your top sourcing channel posting the job on your career site that no one goes to. So here's my thoughts on company career pages. You should have a decent one, but no one's going to it unless you are a major brand. So if you think you could just pop your job, have it on, you're going to kill it, you're wrong. It actually made me really concerned about our industry that in-house recruiters think that this should be their number one sourcing. No one cares about your career site. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't have it in case people do come. But people find you in other areas, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for example, having a job search and apply, aka applicant tracking system on your <laughs> career site, you're five times more likely to have people come to the site because they can search for jobs. I don't know about you, Serge, but I actually had to go back and check and see if this article was published in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, Wait a minute. No, this is a 2023 candidate attraction report. And I, I honestly, it assumes an awful lot. It does assume, I think, that these are very large companies because most applicant tracking systems, as far as going to your career page, and then I have to try and figure out if you're hiring for the type of work I'm looking for. And I don't know about you, but that most applicant tracking systems make that a nightmare. Hung Lee published on Twitter, speed of application by applicant tracking system. And what I'm tying this to, and so bear with me here a moment, is if you have a search function and you've got a really complex applicant tracking system like a success factors, a Workday, a Taleo, Oracle Cloud, Brass Ring, any of those where you have to go in and try and guess what the job family is, what the region is, and worst of all, just like you were saying on the tip of the week, what is the job title they use 
for the kind of work I'm looking for. So you're expecting the job seeker to guess all this. You really are. So I'm having a real hard time putting any weight into this study that then goes on to tell you to have a job search and apply functionality on your peak performing career site. It's just the opposite. You want to find ways around it. Well, you want the jobs available, right? So you can find them easily. That should be the highlight of your career page in a lot of ways. Just to recap the findings they had, five times more likely to have a job search and apply content, four times more likely to have career pathways and department team landing page. I have never seen a career pathway on any career site. So I, if you know anyone or have seen it or yeah, your company has one, please send us the link Show me three the times. Yeah, exactly. Three times more likely if you have employee videos, how the recruitment process works. I love that one. Every website should show exactly what the recruitment process is going to be. And I guarantee you 90% of the companies cannot publish that because they don't know because it's different for every hiring manager, every situation, there's no true, structure. True that. Then the last one is two times more likely if you have employee stories, chatbot, reward benefits. You know what? I'm going to poke another hole in this. Okay. Honest to God, if you've got authentic employee stories, testimonials, I think that should rank way higher because what do people want to know? Why do they go to employee review sites? They want to know stories. But I'll ask you one question before we go. Have you ever seen an authentic video from an employee? All of it is scripted. I've seen some outside the career site, like on Instagram or other platforms. I'm not sure it's the best place to have that particular content. Just putting shit on your career site and not having a strategy for people to see it, which is the majority of companies. It's not a good strategy. You need to figure out how to drive people to your career site. Exactly. Never assume that they've even heard of you unless you're a big five brand. So for the rest of us, you do need to actually put some thought into understanding how people find you. Yeah. So next subject, I found a great article on talent.com. And I think it's a really good reminder. We were just mentioning how the hiring process can be different. Like in one company, you can have five different people or different departments interviewing. So the interviewing experience can be different in the same company. So this was a great article to just say, hey, when was the last time you took a look at your interview guides? When was the last time you thought about, is this really an experience that we want to continue to give people? And there was some great statistics in this article that talked about what exactly are job seekers thinking and experiencing. So for example, if you ask yourself, when was the last time you changed your interview process? And should it change over time? The fact is, the process and how long it takes is something that we do need to stand back and ask ourselves. Because most job seekers believe a reasonable time frame to hear back from a company is two weeks. But if your company is taking six weeks, this could be a quick and easy fix for organizations. Asking candidates for feedback about the interview process. Is anybody even taking note of what job seekers are saying? Because statistically, 82% of job seekers will share a positive experience, which is interesting because we think that it's only going to be complaints, like when you go to review sites. Serge, 
where do you want to chime in here? The interview process is one that most companies never even look at from the start. So revamping it is not even an option because there's never been an interviewing strategy. And I would say that is a great majority of companies is what the hiring manager wants to ask. There's no consistency. There's no process to remove on bias. And we know that most interviewers are biased. Most humans are biased. We're all biased, actually, if we put that in context. So reviewing your interview process, yeah, definitely you should be doing that. And there's an easy way for you to measure that, right? If you're turnover is over a certain amount, or if candidates are leaving before 90 days, or they're leaving in the first year and those numbers are high, it's your interview process. It's your selection process. And generally, most organizations is to let the hiring manager make the decision. Or if the hiring manager doesn't have the balls or the kahunas, what they do is they keep going to the next step, right? Being like, oh, we need to do one more interview because no one wants to be responsible for the final decision. And it just creates a horrible experience for the candidate because yes, if I interview and I don't hear that I get the job or not within two weeks, that's too long. And you're saying it takes six weeks, seven weeks. I'm not wasting my time and effort on a company that can't get their shit aligned. I'm going to move on to the next job if I'm an active, even if I'm a passive, I'm going to look somewhere else. That's where I stand with it. You, you brought up a really good point, Serge, and that is hiring manager and bias. That leads into a great article last week on ere.net that talked about the dangers of hiring for culture ad which can be easily switched back and forth to hiring managers who believe they're hiring for a culture fit, both of which I think are very dangerous terms. All the work that I do with organizations to even get them to tell me what their culture is, <laughs> do you know how many can't articulate it? Almost all of them. They can cite examples of what they believe culture is, but until you go four layers deep and realize that their culture is how they behave and how they treat each other, if we finally have that as your baseline, that culture is how we treat each other in our worst moments, that's really defining culture. Do you mean to tell me a single hiring leader who knows what interview questions to ask to determine if you're going to be a culture fit, it really is almost like a permission or excuse for anyone in a position to make a hiring decision to say, well, no, I'm hiring for culture fit. Or the reason that they never got back to that job seekers that they weren't a culture fit, but yet they can't define culture. When they're talking about culture fit and when they're doing an interview, it's basically, would I like to have a beer with this guy or gal? They're looking at, do I like this person? Are they a really yeah. good fit to my style and what I'm doing? But let's jump into what the dangers of culture ad is. And I, I have to admit, Shelly, I've been guilty of using this. And this is where we grow as people, right? Because after reading this article, I'm like, bang on. Yeah, I was wrong with this because... Sometimes we define culture to your point a little bit differently. A lot of people think culture ad, culture fit is people that are different than them. So culture ad can be wonderful in a lot of ways, but it depends on how you structure it. You said it exactly. What will the culture tolerate? If you're bringing in diverse backgrounds, experience and perspective, it's great. 
But you got to make sure that your new hires are able to navigate your culture. To give you an idea, say your workers never experienced working collaboratively, and that's a defining element of your corporate culture, there's a good chance they won't succeed. Say your type of environment is you work really quick in bursts, and you're coming from a government background that works completely different. You're never going to be able to adapt. When you're looking at culture ad, it's not always a good thing. So I've stopped using culture ad and culture fit. Who is the best person winning the candidates that is going to do a good job in my company is what I look at. Absolutely. And being able to ask them questions in an interview that will give you specific evidence that they do think the way that would be tolerated and acceptable. Culture ad, it's a great idea, but it is very problematic. So your point was excellent, Serge. I don't need to reiterate what you said, but really you need to understand what your culture can tolerate because to bring in a disruptor is a bad experience for your existing employees and a bad experience for the person if your culture doesn't really tolerate anybody who doesn't toe the line. That's the best description. Thank you for adding that on. I want to jump into the next recruitment insight, and I'll start by asking you a question. In your time in corporate or internal recruitment, have you ever posted a job that you never had any intentions of actually hiring for? Well, no. I can say with a clean heart and conscience, I would never allow it. Never. It is so damaging to your employer brand. It is deceitful. It's just not something I would ever be a part of. If you didn't know, do you think it's ever happened in your situation that a hiring manager or executive has come Mm -hmm. to you and we want to post this job and start recruiting for it when not knowingly on your end, they never had any intentions of ever filling that role? Within large companies, you need to validate that these are open positions because I'm utilizing resources. I'm spending company money as a TA leader. But I think your question was another perspective, and that is, do I believe it's happening in the market? Well, it is. And there's a recent article in the Wall Street Journal that shows Mm -hmm. it exactly. So what they did is they surveyed a thousand hiring managers. So let's just make that clear. Hiring managers, not recruiters, not HR, hiring managers. Out of those thousand hiring managers, 27% reported having job posting up more than four months. 30% have said that they advertised job postings that they weren't actively trying to fill. Close to half said that they kept up ads to give the impression the company was growing. One third of the managers also said that they advertised jobs they weren't trying to fill to placate overworked employees. So it's happening. And it's pretty evident that it's happening because we hear all of these stories of job seekers applying for 100 jobs and not hearing back from one of the jobs. And I know there's more to it, but we see it with staffing companies all the time, right? It's a rite of passage in the staffing industry to post jobs to build a network or basically a pipeline but they're not real. And we see it with the major job boards, right? They're very aggressive with staffing firms because they know that those jobs are not real and it's not a good candidate experience across the board. 
And I'll ask myself the same question. Has it happened to me? Not knowingly. I've never posted a job without having the intentions of filling it. But I've been given recs that the minute we start recruiting, we start filling the role, suddenly there's not a lot of ambition to actually interview those people or get to the next steps. And sometimes things change, right? The business has changed maybe at the TA level we weren't made aware of or it's not in our purview. But I definitely think it happens. And I think it happens because... We are not asking exactly the questions that you did. If you do a really good intake, you dive in deeper, you're putting resources, you're getting commitment from the organization that you're filling this role. It rarely happens, but I don't think that's happening in most talent acquisition departments. I agree. And what was most shocking, because it never really occurred to me that if you are intentionally understaffed, that is, you're not hiring and you are asking people to work longer hours or do overtime. And in order to get them to do it, you're saying, listen, we're trying. We've had this job add up. We've been interviewing. You want to talk about deceitful? Wow. I mean, I would be so offended and hurt that my leader would lie because that's what they're doing. That I found shocking that they kept those jobs up just to placate overworked employees. But Shelly, you've been around the block. Assholes. I have. You know this happens, right? A lot of hiring managers, a lot of executives don't take candidates seriously because they think there's an endless supply of candidates. So let's placate our employees. Let's have jobs up. And not thinking of how much it affects their brand happens all the time. We talk to enough executives at companies and they basically tell us that this is happening. Well, I think it's what's been the eventual downfall of the staffing industry. Tell me how many times you're going to return to a firm to find out that they interviewed you, used your time, led you down this garden path, and there never was a job. They're hoping to land a requisition for a job in the field that you're in. I don't want to pick on the staffing industry, but we know it happens and we know there's a lot of shady players in that space. So well, and those, those shady point. players are the ones that probably are no longer in business and why uh, 100%. there's really five big players in all the, North America. And that's why is because they have solid processes and they have ethics. Ethics is the key word of this episode. Shelly, another sure. fantastic episode. Yes. I'll be recording from Florida next week. So you'll hear the, I don't know, what's the background the ocean noise? In the background. Oh, the ocean. Nice. Yeah, exactly. I'm right on the ocean. Nice. So it will be perfect. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a fantastic week. Okay, talk soon. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Lachifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners 
listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.